Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody, to Guys at a Mic Show. Big Dog and a Coach at your this right up until 11 o'clock. We were off on yesterday's uh, show. Well, we're off usually a lot, even when we're on. A lot of people say we're off, but we were officially off the air. little replay show yesterday, so we're back at you live. little three-day weekend for the Coach and the Big Dog. We'll recap some of the weekend activities, look at some of the sports ahead, and uh, interesting news and notes all over the place, both on sports page and off the sports page, uh, David Olson, our producer, as per usual, on the other side of the glass, we'll listen to a little Talk Zone's award-winning music and get this one-hour semi-off experience off and running. Thank you very much, D. Olson. I missed you yesterday, my friend. I was out in uh, Indiana University visiting, doing a little college visit. Uh, cold and rainy as we got our lovely tour. But despite the cold, despite the rain, my son loved the university. Very cool. My first visit to Indiana University and uh, pretty cold place. Pretty cold place. We could be Hoosiers before it's over. All right, we got lots to talk about, including uh, as we welcome in the big dog, Joel. I opened up the show by saying we are off for three days. I know you've got a lot of... Uh, pent-up uh, energy, shall we say, and you are waiting to release. Hopefully, uh, you know, you're in the comfort of your own home and not around the general public when you do release, but uh, your guy, your guy, I know the lead thing you want to talk about, Ronnie Santo, finally, finally got it in the Hall of Fame. How are you, my friend? Apparently, the big dog is not there after that dramatic opening. And I know big dog has been talking about this for years, and we'll see if we can get him back, but it's going to be interesting, his take. His take, because a lot of people are, you know, a little bit upset that Ron Sano finally gets in, and it's after he passed away. And it really is, it is unfortunate. You can argue whether he should be in or he shouldn't be in, and you want to talk about that, that'll be one of our discussion topics today. It's not going to be Ron Sano all day, trust me, but... Uh, Certainly for the Chicago fans here, a big story, 888-463-6748. Again, you can argue whether he should be in or he shouldn't. That argument can be tabled for another day. I don't think anybody can argue that it's sad that now that he did get in, that he was not here to enjoy it. Because I don't know that there's too many guys, I don't know how many people are in the Hall of Fame, 200, 300, 400, I have no clue. But I can almost guarantee there will be nobody in that Hall of Fame, living or dead, who is more excited or who is more excited about getting in than Ronnie Santo because the guy was a pure, pure fan and thoroughly enjoyed the game. And it is a shame, unfortunately, posthumously. Practice that word all, all day. Posthumously that Ron Santo gets in. So we'll talk about that. I know the big dog will have a lot of thoughts on that, too. College football bowl games, uh, they are present for you. We'll do a little quick little NFL round them up and wrap them up one day late. Let's see if we got them uh, back in uh, via the telecommunicative phone lines. It's my good friend, the big dog, Joel Radwanski. Joel, how are you, my friend? Uh, well, uh, me getting on the show this morning kind of was like the Bears' offense trying to get into the end zone this particular weekend, but luckily I'll be able to walk away from it. 
I will tell you this. It was the first Bears game, not by plan, but it was the first game I really didn't get to watch this year, and that rarely happens. I saw bits and pieces, but for a myriad of reasons, didn't get to see it, and uh, it sounds like Big Dog, I picked a pretty good game not to watch. Yeah, you know what? It's a couple of days removed, and I'm sure people that, that listen to our show don't hear me complaining about the Bears. And if you're a Bears fan, you probably don't want to hear about it anymore. But I can honestly say this: I don't. Besides the the last game of Walter Payton's career, I don't ever remember a worse game as a Bears fan to watch. Oh, there's a lot of contenders, dog. I know what's fresh in our memory tends to stick first and foremost in our memory, and and I hear you, but. Boy, there, there's been some really, really bad Bear games in the past, and unfortunately most of them, when I say the past, by the way, let's just talk the last 10 years, most yeah. of those really bad ones have been on national TV. Monday yeah, no, night no, no, games, no. Thanksgiving game against the Dallas, because there's been a number of Monday night games where they played horror. So it was bad Sunday, but but they're, they're, don't kid yourself. There's a lot of contenders for that award for worst Bears game. If you're talking uh, Thanksgiving Day 2004 when they wore the pumpkin uniforms, no, I, I will admit they've played worse games. You know, like as a Bears fan, we can look back and be like, wow, that was embarrassing. Like, you know, like the rest of the other 31 teams in the NFL aren't looking at each other being like, thank goodness we're not the Bears. You know what I mean? It isn't like that. But when you, when you consider how many just unbelievably uncommon things happened to the Bears that I, I don't want to, like, sound weak here. That wasn't their fault. It just went against them in that game where you're just like, I can't believe that happened. And then let's add, compound the fact how many numerous mistakes each one of them made. And then you're like, they only lost by a touchdown? Oh, oh and, and by the way, let's not forget that not only did they not have the, the a quarterback, which is the first one they've had since Sid Luckman, they lost the guy that's leading the NFL in yards uh, from scrimmage this year. Uh, honestly, Coach, when Matt Forte was laying on the ground on, on Sunday, I am not kidding you. I went into a temporary moment of shock. I couldn't think. <laughs> I couldn't talk. I am. I, I'm not kidding. I, I can never remember in my whole entire life watch watching. And I mean, because you know, the last 20 years, I don't care about sports like I did when I was 10 and 15. I really have grown up a lot. You know what I mean? And, but I can't remember how long it's been since I sat there and felt so dejected watching a sporting event as I saw Matt Forte laying on the ground holding his knee. Because so many things went through my mind. First and foremost, the Bears' season might be done if Matt Forte is done for the season. Let's 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 admit it. Uh, Caleb Haney and uh, and Khalil Barnes isn't exactly going to win you the Super Bowl, okay? And then and then, we, then you start thinking about it. Uh, Deshaun Jackson flashed into my head, and I, I see Deshaun Jackson complaining about not getting enough money, and then he shows up late for practice when he's in games. Herm Edwards says he makes business decisions, and by that he means like he'll go to the ground instead of catching the ball so he doesn't get hit. And then you have a guy like Matt Forte who does nothing but shut up, support his teammates, show up for work on time, bust his ass, doesn't get the contract, and he's laying on the ground, and now his career might be in question. Uh, Coach, it all hit me in like five seconds, everything. And I'm sitting there like, the Bears season is over, a guy I really respect. The first time, I can honestly say the first guy who ever got injured in sports where I was like, wow, I... I really, a real heartfelt, not like, oh, that's too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, I wish it didn't happen to him. But like a heartfelt, like, wow, why him? Why Forte? It was, 
Yeah. It was a bad Sunday. You know, I, if I would have been sitting next to you, I would have comforted you, and I, and I would have not had the same reaction. So maybe between the two of us, we could have found a happy medium. But uh, uh, A, and, and I'm a Matt Forte fan. I think the guy's, you know, he's been phenomenal this year. And even when he hasn't been phenomenal the previous two years, he's been a very classy, classy guy, good attitude guy, and a decent NFL player. This year he's been outstanding. But, you know, he was offered $6 million. For a few years, and he turned that down. So my sympathies don't extend quite the route where you were. And when I saw him go down, I immediately uh, went to the Christmas tree and took out the bell, and I started ringing the bell. And I started ringing the bell. I said, Khalil Bell time. You called him Khalil Barnes, cheap shot. Khalil Bell. Khalil Bell will lead the way. I'm always a glass half full guy. I'm ready for the, uh, the, the opportunity in the beginning of a long Chicago Bear career for Iowa Hawkeye running back. Ring him up. Khalil Bell. I didn't call him Barnes. Did I really? I think you did, but it was unintentional. Okay. Well, if I did, that's actually <laughs> kind of funny a little bit. Yes. But anyhow, now, that's so I had a slightly different reaction. And, and I, I have to admit, I was a little disappointed Barnes didn't get more carries. That was the first thing I you did. Said. It again. I was like, you just uh, you just called him Barnes. <laughs> right, Dave. I'm not. I know my hearing is not good, but that's that's two times, and I don't think he's doing it on purpose, folks. So this is a psychological uh, remuneration. Go ahead with your thought processes. I didn't mean to interrupt the outstanding football analysis. Well, like right when it happened, the first person I was like, well, well, Bell has to step up, and my buddies were like, no, Barber does, Barber does. I was like, well, obviously, guys, we're not putting all the weight on Mary Barber's shoulder and riding it into a you know a couple of playoff wins this year. You got to have two running backs, especially when it's two and three and not one and two. You know, so and and the guy shows a couple great runs and the Bears don't give him the ball the rest of the day. They take him out of the offense two consecutive runs and he gains over 50 yards on the two runs and then they're like, "Oh, okay, we're done with you. Go go ahead and sit on the bench." Maybe I'm calling him the wrong name because I wanted to see more of him. <laughs> There is definitely a disconnect going on with offensive coordinator and play caller Mike Martz and head coach Lovey Smith. That 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 cool front seems to be uh, down to like a deep freeze at this point, or is it just me? Do you get that feeling? Yeah, like uh, like uh, uh, Coach Smith. So if uh, Arizona State offered Martz a contract, <laughs> would you let him out for the rest of the season? Uh, I I would play pay for the flight down to <laughs> where where is that Arizona? Yes, we'll let all up and pack. We'll get him down there. Okay, so yeah, I, there is a disconnect, Coach. And I, 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 I finally appreciate it. it. Makes me like Levy Smith even a little bit more when he's like, I, I can't believe I just because I worked with this guy a couple of years mm-hmm. ago, I gave him a job. All right, well, I'm going to make you a prediction. It's going to go beyond Khalil Bell here. That is going to shock the troops. I know David Olson, our producer, I teased him earlier on because he, you know, came up with the usual Chicago Bear line where you know the Bears are done this year. If they do squeeze into the playoffs, it'll be the worst thing that can happen to my immediately. Shot him down, and then David gave me a left to the uh, left abdomen too, so I'm crunched over a little bit. But I'm going to give you a uh, one of my coaches way out there bizarre predicts. This one might even go beyond my Henry Burris prediction, Big Dog, which was pretty out there if you remember that. Yeah, and, and please don't don't go in that direction. Well, I again. might, I might, but before I do that, let me ask you this: because the play that beat the Bears, or, or you know, technically, anyways was the interception uh, that didn't happen in the end zone on the Hail Mary. And let me ask you now, we've seen a couple of times, most dramatically, Michigan State beating Wisconsin on the tip, and in the Bears game, the tip down, and, and McLaughlin was right there to catch the ball. Do you think teams are going to change the strategy? Now, hey, 
offenses have caught up to that, that you're trying to tip it down, and they've got designated tip catchers. We even practice the tip catch. Uh-huh. Now it's catch the ball or hit it sideways. Do they change the technique if you were a special teams coach? Yeah, either, either you catch it or you bat it to the moon. You bat it out of bounds. Because what they do now, his coach is uh, everybody figures out who the tipper is on the other team because mm-hmm. everybody has a jumper on the other team. And obviously it's Brian Urlacher for the Bears. That won't take – hey, who's the big tall guy down there? The white dude? I think it's their middle linebacker. What's his name? Is it Buckus? No, it's, it's Urlacher. So you, all, you got, all everybody has to do is five guys run directly to Urlacher, one guy jumps with Urlacher, and the other four guys get into a square. And Eric Mangini described the play. And that's exactly what happened. All four, there's four bears standing there watching Erlacher jump as four chiefs run past the four bears watching Erlacher. Mm-hmm. One of those four chiefs was Dexter McCluster, and uh, he caught the ball sitting on his knees. Coach. Yeah. So, so it wasn't pure luck. It was, you know, just to some extent designed by the Kansas City Chiefs. It was completely designed, and yeah. let's just say that the, I, I will say, it's obviously, it's a Hail Mary, it's a little bit of luck. But it wasn't just like they pulled a horseshoe out of their butt. They had five guys running down there, one guy tipping the ball next to Erlacher, and four guys in a diamond around the tip. It was perfectly executed. Mm-hmm. All right. so, I was just curious. I think, you know, it's it's in all sports, you always got to stay one step ahead. And I think the offenses on the Hail Mary situation have caught up with the defenses, and you're going to start to see now some different tech, techniques. And uh, you know how so, special teams coaches are, Big Dog. They're, they're very creative. They're probably the best coaches at staying one or two steps ahead of the game. Yeah, you you brought up uh, you know great examples when you talk about Erlacher and uh, the Kelly Nickel play, uh, Michigan State Wisconsin earlier in the year. Don't forget Mike Thomas last year, the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Texans decided to bat it down to end the game. Guess what? They batted it right into Mike Thomas's hands, who was on the half yard line. He fell into the end zone, and the Texans end up finishing one game short of the playoffs last mm-hmm. season. By the way, I'm not right about many things, and we lead off with Bear Talk. We're going to get in the Ron Sano in the Hall of Fame, NFL Roundup, Wrap Up, a quick look at the bowl picture. We might get into that more tomorrow. we got a lot of other news and notes, everything from Tiger Woods to the Heisman Trophy to uh, winter GM meetings down in Dallas, the baseball hot stove league. But uh, big dog, I'm not right in many things, and certainly in Beat the Schmoes this weekend I wasn't. I went 0-3, but... One prediction that I did tell you early in the year is seems to be, unfortunately, coming true, and that is everybody looked at this four-game patch of games against the AFC West. Oh, soft spot in the schedule. Good chance for the Bears to get on a roll in the second half. Well, it's not over yet, but so far we're 0-2 against the AFC West. We're 1-2. Yeah, same difference. No, it isn't. Not the same difference. They beat the Denver Broncos. They go 2-2, two and two and they don't lose any ground when they go play the AFC. So they should have went three and one. Yeah, I agree. That was that was the goal that I had as a, as a football fan. I didn't realize they're going to be playing it without their starting quarterback and running back. And if they weren't, they'd be three and zero during the stretch. And Man. your prediction would have looked pretty stupid. <laughs> wow! Thank you for my due respect. Okay. My, my, it's, it, one of the few it. predictions I've got right, Big Day. You come on, you can't exactly shoot it down that quickly. I mean, I told you the AFC West. Though, those games would be Seattle. First of all, you thought they hadn't won a game. They've already won a game. Well, and, all right. And the, and the Seattle isn't in the AFC West anymore. This is in 1984, and Jim Zorn isn't what? the quarterback. Seattle's not in the AFC West? The, Seattle moved to the NFC about eight years ago. you got to be kidding me. You're joking, right? When did that happen? <laughs> you are joking, right? You don't know well, this. Only, you know this, right? only, par- only partially. Now, don't shock me. Yeah. The Denver Broncos that we play next week, they're still in the AFC West. They're still in the AFC West. Yes, <laughs> Okay.
Wait till you get to be my age, big dog. Things won't come so easy to you. Laugh now while you can't. Trust me. Just, just to let you know, Coach, there's only four division, four teams per division now. So, like, when you count as five teams in a row, that, that, there's one so, has to go. It's not like Major League Baseball where one division has six teams and the other four? Well, no, Major League Baseball isn't like that anymore either. Houston, the Houston, oh, I guess we have one more year of that, I think. One more year. I think it's 2013 <laughs> where that starts. All right, but I will still stand by my thought processes that the people thought it would be a pretty easy part of the schedule. Well, so far we're one and two. We're taking on uh, one of the great stories in the NFL season this year, the Denver Broncos next game. So at least it hasn't been as easy. Not quite the soft spot that fans thought it would be. I, I honestly have never said any schedule in NFL history was soft. I, I don't care. If you got NFL teams on it, it's difficult. Well, don't and take I, it I, personal. I said fans, not you. Okay. Well. All right. Very good. All right. Now, you ready for my prediction? I don't uh-oh. think you are. I don't, I'm not feeling it. I'm not, I, I, don't, I don't feel like you're in the mood for a bizarre prediction. Maybe we should – you know what? We're going to move on, and I think I'll make my bizarre prediction later on. i got, I got to catch you when you're in the proper mood. Okay. You know, well, we've been well, in a relationship. Making a bizarre prediction just to make a bizarre prediction. Well, but it's doesn't a, really. No, you're right. But it's a bizarre prediction that I think, you know, if I had to bet my life on it, no. But do I think there's like a 20% chance it could come true? Yeah. Okay, 20% chance is enough. Okay, if you really yeah. believe it's a 20, I, I can go with that. Mm-hmm. All right, now I feel like you're you're a little bit more tied into the prediction. I'm going to say this here now. You know, this bear season has been a, it's been a season of momentum swings up and down. Remember how negative everybody was early? Yeah, we were we were two and three at one point, yeah. and I yeah, I was climbing the A-end over. Yeah, I love you. <laughs> For me, it was the Willis, but same difference. Um, and everybody was getting on Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith, you know what? To credit to his credit, one of the things is he does not ride those waves. He stays pretty level-headed. Well, he was right. Bears turned it around, started playing very very good football. Now we're on one of those downswings. I'm going to predict. I am going to predict that the next two or three games, including next week, this Sunday, 3:05 against the Denver Broncos, Caleb Haney and the Bear offense catches fire. They're going to blow out the Denver Broncos, huh? And and Haley is good. Haney's going to play great, like three games in a row, breakout games. Jay Cutler is going to come back. His thumb is going to be healthy. He's going to say, you know what, he can play. And there will be discussion, Big Dog, on these very airwaves and other sports talk shows. Hey, the Bears have won three in a row. Haney is on fire. In the last three or four weeks, Haney has played as good a quarterback as anybody in the NFL, including Aaron Rodgers, I said, last three, four weeks. Do you take Haney out now? Do you let Plummer come in, or do we stick with Haney with the hot hand? That could happen. I'm making the prediction right now. Thank you very much. The rest of the show is yours. If the Bears win three in a row, they are without question going to the playoffs because they'd have one game left in the year, and it would be against the Minnesota Vikings. And at that point, I don't think they could not make the playoffs if they had won three in a row because they're a game ahead of, of Detroit and, and New York in terms of tiebreakers or records. But you're missing the so point. There would only be one game left. I don't think they would be in the playoffs. And by the way, if they had won three in a row, they would have just beaten the Aaron Rodgers-led Green Bay Packers. <laughs> okay. And their record would no longer be perfect. Haney would still be well. the quarterback of the Chicago Bears if they beat the Green Bay Packers. Yes, but okay. you're right. So there you go. I was going to say you're missing my point. You finally got my point. Whether it's three games or four games, say Cutler comes back in the playoff, I'm making the bizarre, if not semi-bowl prediction that Haney's going to get so hot. It's hard to believe now, but in four weeks or come playoff time, people will be talking. Do you stick with Caleb Haney, who's the hot hand right now, and the Bears are on a roll? Or do you bring back Jay Cutler, our starter, who was playing so well before he was injured? 
You have to yeah, admit, yeah. if that would happen, it would be amazing. I'm not about to sit here and try to tell you Caleb Haney is going to change the game of the quarterback position. I'm going to say this right now. As a guy who played receiver, when I would mess up, my coach would be like, you know, your quarterback shouldn't get that interception. You should get that interception, Red Wansky. You did not get your head turned fast enough. Blah, blah, blah. Okay? Whatever it was. All right? Well, I know is this, is the, the interception by 39 of the Kansas City Chiefs, who's their backup corner, wasn't even starting. Brandon Flowers is their stud. This guy's their backup. Johnny Knox is, is running down the sideline. Caleb Haney throws a perfectly thrown ball. And Johnny Knox keeps on running, throws his hands up like he's going to run underneath it. Hey, I'm a receiver, and the ball will come here, and I'll receive it. Well, no, you're supposed to go get it in the NFL. While you're sitting there waiting to receive the ball, the corner who is totally out of position stops, waits, goes around you, jumps up, gets the ball at its highest point. Oh, guess what? Caleb Haney got an interception for throwing a perfectly thrown ball because you were waiting to receive it, Johnny Knox. Oh, and by the way, Johnny Knox only fell down one time this game, so that's only two mental mistakes for for Johnny Knox. Oh, what's the other mistake? Roy Williams, a perfectly thrown ball, and the Bears are finally getting momentum. Caleb Haney's completed three first-down passes in a row. He hits you in stride in your hands, and you decide to drop the ball. And then four Kansas City Chiefs decide to drop it in the fifth one, catches it in the end zone for an interception. Oh, Caleb Haney, that was really his fault. Perfectly thrown ball to a guy making $5 million a year to catch the ball. Another interception. And the other one, late in the game, trying to force it, and that was a bad throw. He threw one pick, not three this weekend, because the other two are, I mean, it isn't like a little bit like, oh, the receiver should get a little credit for that. No, they should get 100% of the credit for both of those interceptions. I was disgusted. <laughs> the, the, the way they play, Coach, I, all year long, we've talked about how they've gained professionalism, how they played the game the right way. And I'm not kidding you, their receiving core has cost them at least two football games this year. Without question, it cost them the Chiefs game. One for lack of production, and two for lack of effort. And three for lack of execution, all of them. Put them all together, wrap it up together, and you got the Bears receiving core right now. So anybody ripping Caleb Haney, please watch the game over again. I know you should, well, you shouldn't watch the game over again just for ripping, for ripping the poor kid. Oh, my goodness. Sorry, Coach. <laughs> one glass half full, one glass half empty. Talking uh, Bears football from over the weekend. Dog and the Coach, we were off on Monday's show, so revisiting, recapping some of the uh, weekend sports action. Big Dog and the Coach with you right up until 11 o'clock, 888-463-6748. Dog, if it makes you feel a little bit better, you did go 2-1 and one on your Beat the Schmoes football predictions. Very nicely done. Yeah, and you were the one making fun of me saying I was going to go 0 and 3. I do remember that when I was saying, hey, quit making fun of me. You were like, hey, hey, take it easy. I remember that. that yeah, uh, sorry about that. You've been impressive now. Three consecutive weeks. You had a, a midseason losing streak, but you've gone three consecutive weeks uh, against the point spread. Two and one, two and one, two and one. Not spectacular, but you've been solid. David Olson, by the way, holding serve, not with a three and zero, oh, but David Olson another winning weekend. He goes two and one. Did I mention I went O for three? Beat the Schmoes, uh, yeah, our, our winning football game. Do you have the up-to-the-date year thing? Because I'm telling you, I'm just below 60%. I know you, you think it's crazy, but it's true. Let's see. You were 14-16 and 16 after the Myers slump. I was slump. never 14-16. and 16. And then, I was never 14-16. and 16. got every week here, Big Dog. I was 14-13 and 13 and then had a two, and then I went 2-0 and oh that week. So I was... I was 16 and 13. I was never 14 and 16. Yeah, you're actually, that's you know what? You're, yeah, you're right about that. I apologize. You were 14 and 13. Right? Yes, and then I went 2 and 0 yeah. and went to 16 and 13. Nope, nope, and nope, I nope. haven't had a losing week since. Nope, nope, nope. 14 and 13, then you went 1 and 2. And then you've had three consecutive 2 1 weeks. 
So you're correct. You are 21 and 18. That's what I get you. Okay, because uh, there's I have myself at 23 and 18. There's a two and zero week that is missing. I missed a two and zero. I, I did. I did, I had a push. I could not have a three number because okay. I have a a two and zero week with a push right. in there. All right, I'm writing it in. I'm giving you a two and zero weekend. I well, believe. What is what is your guys' record overall? Because if I'm three games behind you, there's a week. Let's weekend. see. I was 13 and 17 coming into the break, and since uh, the little midseason break, I've been worse. So I'm, uh, a little bit of a rough season. Two and three, three five. Three and eight, sixteen and twenty-five. Not good. Now I've okay, got a little so bit of a quandary, big dog, because you know it's a business decision. You remember early in the year I started off bad and I made the early decision. I went Theo on everybody. I just you know basically started trading everybody off. I fired most of my beat the schmoes football prediction administrative staff. Got rid of the interns. I lost a lot of friends, but it worked. I brought in a new crew, and all of a sudden I, I had a bunch of bounce back winning weeks. You see, 16 and 25 makes sense because he probably had one push in there. See, now I have yeah. 41 games. See, that, yeah, that but was I, a, but I, had like, I had a streak of five out of six winning weeks, but now I'm back in another losing streak. So my quandary is, as a business executive, with some level of success, Big Doug, I ask you, do I hold the course now? I mean, I don't want to get the reputation of every time things go down, I start firing everybody. But the other side of it is, you know, drastic change worked once. Season's not over. Do I go drastic change yet again? No, this time you just threaten to fire everybody. You think that'll work? That, that'll be just fine this time. Just threaten, and then trust me, it'll work. They'll believe okay. you. All right. I will follow your business acumen. Now, now the, the important question is what David Olson is at. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Hotter than a pistol all season long. Uh, he was 23-7 and seven coming into the break. Against the spread, folks. Yes, <laughs> and he and he's seven and five since, so a ridiculous thirty and twelve. See that now? That see now what makes sense because we're all at the forty-two gamer. You're at forty-one. I'm at forty-one. Dave's at forty-two. And I had I've only had one push all year, so now my I believe my number at twenty-three and eighteen is correct. That's what, I thought I was anywhere from four to six games above. So you are twenty-three and eighteen. Yes. Okay. Now that we've got that business out of the hands, scintillating sports talk radio here, the I'm two sure guys. Everybody's happy to, to have <laughs> listen to that. Yeah. So. Bottom line is though, you and you and David, uh, you know, are doing phenomenal again against the point spread, and I don't think we were beaten by the schmoes. So that's like the sixth or seventh week no schmoes have beaten. I mean, I'm sorry, none of the public has beaten us, the schmoes. Yeah, I noticed somebody put up their picks on the Facebook page. Is yes. that all right? Yeah. yeah absolutely. I, I People complain all the time. They're like, you give me the wrong email. I'm like, what's so difficult about two guys, Mike, at AOL? They, they can't even figure it out. buddies can't figure it out. So I'll have them just start p- posting it on the Facebook page. Because at least we have a time Wait, on Wait, not that. two so, guys. My, our, uh, if you're talking about our email address or our website? Our email address where they put the picture. Yeah, email address, make sure you tell them it's Mike, two guys, at AOL.com. I've been telling them it's two guys, Mike, that's, at AOL.com for four problem. years now. That's a problem. No wonder why you get no emails from my friends. They're all like, you're an idiot, Joel. I never get Why, why does the coach email me back? You know, no, that's, so, <laughs> yeah, you, you and me have to communicate more often. There seems to be a seems to be a, a little bit of a large... <laughs> what did you say? The last four days or four months or four years, did you say? I had four years. <laughs> four years this has been going on, huh? Yeah, that's, yeah, it's, that's it's nice to know we correct our problems in an immediate nature. 
Yeah, I got a lot of stuff to get done here, Coach. <laughs> hey, uh, Big Dog, i got to get you more on the up and up. What a thrill. I opened up the show. I don't know if you can hear me on the – we had a little technical problems early in the show. What a shame. Uh, and you can argue all you want whether Ron Santos should be in the Hall of Fame or not, but I don't think anybody can argue it really is too bad that Ronnie Santos is not here to enjoy it. But your thoughts as uh, one of the guys you admired most, Ron Santos, finally, finally did get elected to baseball's yeah, I, HOF. I, I, I told you that uh, years ago. I was like, you know, he he belongs in, and when he gets in, if he isn't alive, it won't mean anything to me, Coach. I'm glad he's in because he deserves to be in. The fact that he was not elected for the 20 times he could have been elected before then, and he didn't get to enjoy this while he was alive, really is one of the big, the greatest disappointments in my sports fan's career, and it means extremely little to me. The only thing that it means to me is that at least the family knows he made it in, but still that family right now is like, why couldn't you do this a year ago? Yep. Like, why, why not one year earlier? So the guy could actually enjoy it. Yep. You know, oh, hey, let's uh, let's give an award for an all-time achievement acting career to a guy who's dead now. Oh, you know what I mean? Let's look at everybody knows himself, though he was great, but let's not give him his moment in the sun to, to enjoy it. And by the way, Ron Santo, Ron Santo, he was the only one that's going in this year, right? He's the only person going in the Hall of Fame this season, right? Yep. The only one who made it. David Olson, do we have a confirmation on that? I thought this was just a veteran's vote. Okay, we're, just a veteran's vote. That. Okay, that's because that's, that's somebody told me that like he's the only one, which makes sense. It is just a, it is just a veteran's vote. So mm-hmm. just, just to throw this out there. Not only did Ron Santo lose out for not being able to enjoy knowing that he made it to the Hall of Fame, who's going to give a better Hall of Fame speech than Ron Santo? First of all, you know it's going to be heartfelt and emotional, so that's good enough. Two, you know it's going to be funny because Ron Santo's flat out hysterical. And three, you know he's going to mess up, and it's going to be a funny mess up. <laughs> you know Ron Santo, his, his toupee was going to fall off. Or he was going to just, like, go off on the mess and say something. He was going to do something memorable and hilarious in his Hall of Fame speech. So, on the, the, the on so many reasons why I'm upset that he isn't alive to, to see this. So, mm-hmm. and I don't want to be like the the like the mean guy sitting there. But I, but I am about this one. I was passionate for years. Passionate for years. The guy's belonging. Look at his story, Coach. Forget the stats, which are incredible. The guy was injecting himself with the insulin between innings because he was the only diabetic playing American sports for ten years. It's amazing, coach. Never, never amazing. told anybody, including his teammates. Correct? Yeah, the only one who knew was his roommate because his roommate was about to uh, bring him into the, the manager at the time because he was. He's like, Ron, you can't be doing heroin and being a major league baseball player. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not doing heroin. I'm I got diabetes. Oh yeah, whatever. You don't have diabetes. You drink all the time. Well, that's part of it. You know, and then uh, <laughs> so all of a sudden, instead of turning him in, Glenn Beckard, his roommate, becomes his best friend and doesn't tell anybody else on the team. So, you know, it's pretty cool, Coach. Mm-hmm. The, the Ron Santos story is amazing, and we really missed out on one of the greatest Hall of Fame speeches by never, not having him there. I never thought of that aspect of it, but you're you're exactly uh, you're right on. That would have been that would have been an interesting aspect of it to hear his Hall of Fame speech. He might have not got through it. He's such an emotional guy. He might have had to have someone, son, wife, daughter, you know, to, to finish reading it because I, I don't know if he would have made it through. But you're yeah, right, there would have been some humorous moments along the way, too. And uh, I don't know who's going to actually give the speech for him this year. I don't know who they'll have his son do it, yep. who made that phenomenal This Old Cub movie about Ronnie Santo. or That's, if, that's uh, Jeff. And then yeah, there's, Jeff also, there's also Ronnie Jr. 
Yeah, I remember umpire. Matter of fact, I officiated umpire. Here's a, you know, I'm really happy for you. But all three of those kids, at one point or another, I umpired their softball games. Linda Santo, Linda Santo, seventh, eighth grader in the girls' softball league. Ronnie Santo Jr. and Jeff Santo. They all played in the uh, Park District League when I used to uh, run that softball. Like I know you're thrilled for me, but uh, do they play the hot corner? No, I don't think so. Ronnie Jr. shortstop. Linda, I can't remember. And uh, I think Jeff was an outfielder. So I don't think they played third base. Maybe maybe by design. Yeah, okay. So I don't want to turn like this Ron Santos thing. I don't want people that you know, they're just new to the program thinking I'm like so bitter. All I'm doing is complaining about the Bears and people complaining about Caleb Haney. And, and oh, one of my favorite personalities ever gets into the Hall of Fame. And instead of being happy, I'm complaining about it. But if you really think about it, if there was anything for me to be mad about as a sports fan, it's waiting until Juan Santo died before they put him into the Hall of Fame. Yep. Well, why does it have to take so long, Coach? And, and you know what I mean, this stuff, because when somebody dies that I don't like, I don't say nice stuff about him just because they die. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I, Juan Santo deserved to be in the Hall of Fame and, and, and get this his whole life. So it's just, I don't mm-hmm. kind of, like, when they told I like, hopefully there is an afterlife and he can look down and know that he made it in. I know that sounds cheesy, but I really mm-hmm. hope. That is true. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And the more you think about it, the more, uh, you know, part part of it is it's a shame and you feel sad. And there's a little bit of anger that builds into it, too, because absolutely, there's a guy that, that should have gotten in and would have so thoroughly enjoyed it. I can't think of many more guys that got in the Hall of Fame. Everybody's excited. But I don't know how many of the 200, 300, 400 that are in their big dog that would have been more genuinely thrilled and excited than Ronnie Santo. And it is a shame. And, again, Anger starts to build into it the more you think about it and the Uh more you talk about it that he's not alive. David Olson, let me ask you real quick. Now, this is a little bit of a cutthroat question. If he had not passed away, would would we still be talking about Ron Sano getting in the Hall of Fame? No. No, I I don't. don't. If he didn't die, he wouldn't have gotten in this year. It's sad to say I I think that's what happened was he died. And, like, last year everybody was like, whoa, wow. He had a really amazing career. It's, why do people have to realize somebody's a good person when they die? That, that's, that was my whole point of what I was trying to say uh, five minutes ago. And, and I, David, I, I think it's about a 99% chance that you're right about that. And if Ron Santo didn't die last year, he probably wouldn't have been elected this year. They would have been passed over. And those same people doing the vote will be like, maybe next year. Hmm. It's, it's too bad. All right. Well, you've been saying that for a long, long time, Big Doe. So this is not something you're just saying now. I mean, we can go back in the tape. You said it pretty much in the 10 years we've been doing the show together. I think you you brought that up probably uh, every single year when the Hall of Fame voting came up. Every time there was elections. And and I do realize that his stats, if you look at the other 13 Hall of Famers that are in there, he isn't the number one offensive, and like all-around third base of all time, because Mike Schmidt and George Brett are ahead of him. But mm-hmm. honestly, Coach, if you really look at the rest of the third baseman, he's right there. After Brett and after Schmidt, yeah, he's got more power than Pi Trainer. I mean, you just keep on going on and on. He's, if you hit 277 with over 300 home runs in the 1960s, Coach, you were a good hitter. Because in the 1960s, the mound used to be 15 inches above ground. And the pitchers around the league were called Drysdale and Koufax and Carlton and Gibson. There were some pretty decent pitchers in the National League of the 1960s. So he's he's one of the all-time greats. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's finally here. 
And now I'll turn my attention to the next great Chicago baseball legend that belongs in the Hall of Fame, Minnie Minoso, the Chicago White Sox. A lot of Minnie Minoso love in uh, the local Chicago papers today. Now, uh, a, a totally different than Ron Santo in terms of, yeah, Ron Santo was sick and had that, like, inner fire that drove him uh, to, to have great things. Minnie Minoso was, like, the guy who came from nothing and with a happy-go-lucky attitude put smiles on everybody's faces. Do you know what I mean? That was, like, the guy from the gutter who ended up having, like, this amazing life, you know, so... Both of their stories truly phenomenal. What is, what uh, is Minnie's uh, played Major League Baseball at some point in five different decades, six different decades? No, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's seven. It's the 30s, seven. 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. Excuse me, the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. He played Major League Baseball at least one at that. And then during the 1980s, 90s, aughts, and I don't know if he's done it yet. Is he, did he pass away? Is he still alive, Coach? No, Minnie's still with us. Okay, because he also, there's three more, he's like played in a professional game, that's Major League. Major League, he did four decades, but he's mm-hmm. played in a professional baseball game in seven different decades. Wow. Pretty wow. cool stuff. So if he does it this year, it'll be eight. If he does it, just, it's a new decade. Yeah, got to give him a token at bat. You got to, you got to get a token at bat. got to give him a token at bat. A couple of years ago, I dressed up as Minnie Minoso for uh, Halloween. Nobody recognized me. Was yeah, when you're telling people, oh, I'm going as many. <laughs> Minnie Mouse don't look like that. What's yeah, wrong with you? Yeah, I, you know, I, people don't, they just don't know. I got a lot of that. I didn't know Minnie was number 87. Um, once Minnie Minoso gets in, then, and you can do the push for Minnie and Ron Sano, and then I will start making the push for my guy. And, David, maybe you can check to see how many votes he got. Steve Swisher, is he moving up the charts yet or not? Uh, he's lost out of he's lost eligibility, coach. Ah. If you get zero votes whatsoever at all during a zero. Hall of Fame, you're automatically off the ballot. You didn't know that? Oh, I did, but I just ballot, assumed Steve Swisher, quality uh, backup catcher for the Chicago Cubs, started for a couple of years. He, either him or Jody Davis has to get on the Hall of Fame. It was it was a real deep year for catchers on the board, coach. Ah. Uh, guys uh, guys like Bruce Bochy and Terry Kennedy were on the list. All right. Hey, quick uh, one-minuters on each of these topics. College football fans, we're going to get to it tomorrow. Okay, because Big Dog, we can't do it justice right now. Well, so wait, until, wait, until, wait until you hear what I have to say about Oklahoma State and Alabama tomorrow, folks. And yeah. I'm going to write a little something nice, too, about it tomorrow. Okay. So I'm I, not happy. i got a feeling I'm going to be with you on this, by the way. Mm-hmm. But uh, can we wait for tomorrow? We can wait, absolutely, okay. because right. I, I have more than 30 seconds to talk about it. All right, so we're going to do college football tomorrow. I want to get the NFL, round them up, and wrap them up, and... Uh, uh, a couple other little news and notes. And who knows, if we get done quick, we'll get to it. But definitely, we will uh, center on some of the bowl matchups, college football tomorrow's show. Again, you want to chime in with the dog or the coach, 888-463-6748. The phone number, by the way, David Olson, quick assignment for you. On tomorrow's docket for discussion, I would like to know some of the contenders for Times Person of the Year this year. I don't want to get into that now, but that's uh, in Big Dog. If you want to do oh, a little, you have to good. do research. But let's just think about and again, uh, you know, the person. It could be male, female. It could be a robot. It could be a computer. Who knows? But we got to start thinking about that too. All right, real quick, news and notes, titillating tidbits. How about Tiger Woods' dog? Tiger Woods finally winning a tournament, his first after 26 tournaments in a row. The Chevron World Challenge, Thousands Oaks, California. Tiger breaks through with in dramatic fashion. Two birdies. Final two holes. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, he went from 52nd to 21 in the world's ranking after after winning one thing. So 
it was kind of cool, and I noticed a different Tiger during the interviews during the week. He seemed more relaxed and at ease. He honestly did, Coach. I, I, it's easy for me to say this after he won, but over the weekend when they were interviewing, I'm like, you know, he he seems like he's having enjoyed himself, having a mm-hmm. good time out there. And I guess he was. He won the tournament. It's always good. Topic number two, if I said Prince, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Springsteen, the Who and Black Eyed Peas, what would I be talking about? Uh, I, if you're trying to tell me that the Who made it into the rock and roll, no. Thing, okay, what is it? Prince, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Springsteen, the Who and Black Eyed Peas. David Olson's got the answer. Hold on, Dave. And my hint is the order that I read off is somewhat key. And number two, it's sports related. Prince, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Springsteen, The Who, and The Black Eyed Peas. I don't know if that's something to do with like their most famous songs. David Olson. Those were the last people to perform at halftime at the Super Bowl. There you go. In that order. And that leads us to our topic of Madonna. Big Dog Madonna has been named to be the halftime entertainer at your 2012 Chicago Bear versus Baltimore Ravens Super Bowl. Oh, it's this year? Or next year? <laughs> For the no, this year, Madonna. Why is she singing the Super Bowl? I get okay. That's that's good. <laughs> uh, that, that, that doesn't do anything for me. I haven't watched a Super Bowl halftime event ever. I got stuff to do. <laughs> Next topic, moving right along. Dallas winter hot stove meetings. General managers holding hands with other general managers late at night at the bar. Jerry Sandusky's been roaming around a little bit too. I don't know what he's doing there, but. Uh, any comments real quick as the general manager meetings have kicked off down in beautiful Dallas, Texas. Any chance you'll be down there, by the way? Uh, absolutely, Coach. I always try to get to the winter meetings. Okay, and then I, I will definitely uh, enjoy being down there, and I'm going to actually follow CEO around for a couple of days. Interesting. And uh, I got the, you know, I, I'm a theologist. I got that shirt, Coach. <laughs> I'm going to sell those. Uh-huh. Can you make those up for me? Uh, definitely. What color would you like? Well, I want them in blue and red, and I'm a theologist. So okay. I, I, I'm going to sell those around Wrigley Field next year, starting at, like, April 1st. How many do you think I get, like, do I need a, uh, what do you call it, a uh, a license coach? I can just go, you just make me, like, 10,000 shirts I can walk around and sell. Unfortunately, you do need a license. How much but, are the license costs? Well, we, yeah, we sell licenses, too. So I'll talk to you. How much are they, like, 35 bucks? A little bit more. But we have a discount. I'm like the... Uh, you know the Gold Coast ticket broker. I'm, yeah. the, I'm the Gold Coast ticket brokers for T-shirt licenses. Well, so can you? You so? Oh heck it! I'm going to do it. Do you like that? I'm a theologist. Do you like that, Coach? Not bad. Okay. Because I got to figure out. I got to just figure out ways to make a little extra. I got to make like an extra grand a, a week next I, summer. I got a better one. I, I come up with a T-shirt. Driving back from uh, beautiful Indiana University uh, at the tail end of our drive, we're driving by a pace bus, commented to my son who was driving at the time. He said, well, man, not a lot of customers in that pace bus. And he goes, Dad, it's closed. It's got the, look, it's got the knot and service on. Uh-huh. And it just occurred to me, sell that, just a simple T-shirt to high school kids in particular, just with the simple words, knot and service. That's they, and they could, wear like that, that they, they could wear that to school. That's not bad. Like yeah, I came home. My girlfriend had something like that, and I, I, I would take yeah. it off for. Yeah, not in like, service. No, no, you're here to serve, okay? Where's my turkey pot pie? <laughs> All right, all right. Well, we'll keep up. Are you, are you uh, real quick before we leave Dallas in the winter meetings? Any 
major bowl prediction you want to take or you want to let it sit in for a couple of days? That the uh, Cardinals lose Albert Pujols. That's my major wow. prediction. And uh, who is Anley, Hanley Ramirez going to play shortstop for next year? Because Jose Reyes, Jose Reyes is now the shortstop of the yes. Miami Marlins. So apparently they want to they want they want to move maybe Hanley to third base. Only one minor problem. Hanley's already bitching. Yeah, well, you know, haven't they talked to him before you before you spend all that money in Jose? Wouldn't you you call up, sit down with Hanley Ramirez and say, hey, here's what we're thinking of doing? A little communication. If you need a shortstop, you might want to call the Florida Marlins right now because I think you can get a good deal on an all-star shortstop. Uh, he he won't move, Coach. He he's like he's irate about it. He's like I'm not I'm the shortstop of the of the Marlins, and he's gonna have to beat me out. I'm not playing any other position. He, he said. And he had a little weird year last year, but a uh, little change yeah, of scenery. A change of scenery for Hanley Ramirez. A, a, a little over a year ago, Big Dog people were calling him potentially the best player in all of baseball. Yeah, you're, you're right. Offensive player, especially when you consider that he, you know, he's a shortstop and he's a below average defensive shortstop. So which organization doesn't really care about defense that the shortstop position will just take any bat whatsoever? Because if they decide to trade it in the, an organization that don't understand the fundamentals of baseball and how important it is to have a defensive shortstop, mm-hmm. you, you probably get a total steal on, from somebody. If, if you look around, there's got to be a team around Major League Baseball, and they need a they need another number one pitcher, and you can get a number one pitcher for Hanley Ramirez. Okay. All right. Well, more to come. We don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but touch and base, and the uh, winter meetings have kicked off in beautiful Dallas, Texas. And uh, finally, on our titillating tidbits, news, and notes, the Heisman uh, hopefuls have been selected. It's going to be awarded, I think, this Friday, this Saturday, this weekend. At some point, the five contenders are Andrew Luck, Robert Griffin III, as predicted, uh, Monte Ball. Monte Ball gets a, a invite, as does... Like he, should, like he deserves, Coach. Like he absolutely deserves. Okay. Trent Richardson, and then, uh, interestingly, who is it? Tyron Matthew from LSU? Tyron, yeah, Tyron Matthew Tyron. Of, uh, of LSU okay. uh, is uh, the fifth one. Okay. The, I mean, Robert Griffin III is going to win the highest. That's, that's who I think. I think it's between Andrew Luck or Robert Griffin III. I I think Robert Griffin III should win, and he had the most impact of anybody on that list. And and he had a Heisman moment. He had unbelievable wins. He truly elevated his team. This is no knock on Andrew Luck because he goes up there and he calls an audible every every single time. And and Andrew Luck, without a doubt, elevated his team. But I I think he had a lot more around him than Robert Griffin III Mm -hmm. does over at Baylor. And let's face it, the Big 12 this year is the best conference in all of college football. And I think they're their uh, Saturday victory over Texas, right? Baylor beat Texas pretty pretty handily. Uh, Baylor was losing 24-17 to 17 to Texas this weekend, Coach, in the second quarter. They won 48-24. to 24. Yes, they put a little beat down on the Texas Longhorns this weekend. Mm-hmm. So Texas had a bunch of freshmen on the field getting thumped by Baylor. Right. Texas, it will turn it around next year. They'll, they'll be one of the best teams in the Big 12. By the way, Matt Barkley and Casey Keenum did not get it. Case Keenum did not get invited. Houston lost their last game. That probably cost Keenum an invite and Barkley maybe the suspension. I would argue he should be there. David Olson, you got uh... – uh, I got a baseball note going back to the uh, Miami Marlins. Uh, according to ESPN's Buster Olney, the Marlins have made Albert Pujols a 10-year offer. Wow. I wasn't messing around, was I, Coach? Well, where's all this money coming from? They got, a, they got a brand new stadium, and supposedly it's the most beautiful stadium in all of baseball. And what the Marlins have figured out is the reason why no one went to their games 
wasn't because they were Latin and didn't have any money, which is what everybody used to say. Remember, that was all over there. You're, you're in the middle of a little Cuba. Who would spend money down there? Let's face it. That's what everybody said. Now what they're saying is because people didn't want to go to a Marlins game because they knew there was going to be a rain delay. And if you watched any Cub games when they played the Marlins, you knew one thing. There was going to be a rain delay right in the middle of the game. Well, they have a retractable roof. They don't have to worry about rain delays anymore. So now all these people in Miami who said for years, I would go to games if it wasn't for rain delays. Well, we're going to find out. And they, they're risking a billion dollars on it right now. <laughs> so yeah, well, but I they got, sold it. I got a couple thoughts for uh, Jeffrey Lurie who's spending all that money. One thought is this year's Philadelphia Eagle football team. Thank you. And thought number two is uh, your fellow uh, sports owner, NFL owner, Daniel Snyder. When are these guys going to learn, Coach? Yep. You didn't even hold on. You said fellow sports owner. You didn't even bring up the Miami Heat. Good point. They're in the same city. Bad things. You didn't bring up the Miami Heat. Bad things come in threes. I should have thought of them as well. Yeah, that's so... uh, yeah, and trust me, you know, Coach, I'm not about, oh, don't, you're not about spending money. You know, you got you to gotta spend money. But mm-hmm. you, you better develop a farm system and an organization where you start going out buying $200 million baseball players. And if they're giving Albert Poulos a 10-year deal, they are giving him at least $276 million over that 10 years because Alex Rodriguez has the old deal, the old highest one at 275 when he ripped up his $252 million contract. Albert Pujols will be offered more than, than Ray, Ray Redwell. If they get Pujols, I think I know the answer to this. If they get Pujols in addition to what they've got already, who is the Las Vegas favorite coming into the season, the Phillies or the Marlins? That's a really tough question. Actually, I think it's, it's not that hard. It's still the Phillies. It's still the Phillies. Because, because I don't pitching. care what you say. Pitching, you pitching, have, pitching. Yeah. Your one, two, and three could be Jose Reyes, Hanley Ramirez, Albert Pujols, which honestly might be one of the greatest one, two, threes ever, ever. This is, honestly, Coach, it could be the greatest start of a lineup in the history of the game of baseball if Hanley Ramirez decides to play third base this year and not complain about it. But if you have Josh Johnson pitch 20 games this year and nothing else, and then the rest of your pitchers are Annabelle Sanchez and, and, uh, and uh, Ricky Nolasco, do uh, the what are they going to be people? Is, they're going to go to a Ron Santo and get his kids and play some softball and beat you 20 to 18? I hear you. Marlins are in trouble, Coach. I hear you. Spend all I, that money to lose. I, any, any team that tries to buy championships are a team that I root against. All right, one guy I do not root against. He's checking in right now via the telecommunicative phone lines here to talk some football with us. He is our Chicago Bears and NFL outsider. Other shows have insiders. We pride ourselves. We're the fans show. We don't have an expert. He hasn't been in the locker rooms. He's a fan. He is a fan just like you and me, an avid, long-time Chicago Bear and NFL fan. Let's welcome Pigskin Boy to the two guys at a mic show. Pigskin, how are you? I'm doing great, fellas. Uh, not, not, uh, won't be on too long. Um, I'm doing great. I love your conversation uh, about the new Marlins and uh, their billion-dollar stadium and billion-dollar players. Ozzy must be happy. Yeah, yeah, you know, Ozzy was always about the, like the, the White Sox tried to build from within and grind you out. How is Ozzy going to handle being like the big bully on the block, throwing money at everybody? You know, this isn't the Ozzy way. The Ozzy way is like mm-hmm. the way Coach was talking about it. You know, build from within and and learn how to play the game of baseball. Small ball, a little bit of small ball. He's always yeah. been a fan of that too. Yeah, well, we'll you see. think he's going to have Albert Pujols hit behind uh, Hanley Ramirez, Coach? Yes. 
Let us, okay. let us remember that uh, Albert Pujols hasn't accepted the deal. David Olson's late breaking news there is, or early breaking news, whatever the hell it is, uh, he was offered. So let's not get too carried away. But Pigskin, I'm glad you're excited about the Florida Marlins. And uh, I know you're a Chicago Bear fan. What's your excitement level on the beloved Bear after watching Sunday's debacle? Well, the reason I wanted to call in briefly today was I consulted myself, <laughs> my people, and their people. And we have come to the conclusion, and this is going to be the most bold statement in the history of humanity, I think last Sunday's game was the worst game in the history of the Bears franchise at every level. <laughs> I, I don't know if you were listening early, but I said exactly the same quote. I said exactly uh, so the same I quote. I asked two friends of mine who've been going to the games with me for 35 years, and I didn't say this lightly. I said, quick, what do you think about this? And I, and I posed the question. Both of them said yes, instantly. So I don't ever remember a worse, given every circumstance, a worse game in the history of this franchise. Okay, if you consider the situation that the season is in, if you consider the luck that went against them in that game, if you consider how poorly they played in that game, Lack of execution, having a Hail Mary completed against you, and then not only you all, the, you finally have a quarterback for the first time since Luckman, he's out, and now you lose to all the, the scrimmage leader in the NFL from here. It was the worst day ever as a Bears fan. Because, like, Coach and I brought up a couple <laughs> uglier games earlier, Big Skin Boy, but those were seasons when they were 5-9 and nine at the time when they got this horrible game. This is, I know, Coach, you might not believe this, but I truly believe that the Bears were fighting for the second-best team to be the second-best team in the NFL. And the second-best team in the NFL, over a 60-minute period, could beat the Packers. Okay, that wouldn't scare me. Now, the Bears aren't fighting for the second-best team in the NFL and a chance to pull up an upset against the Packers. They're praying to be the second-best team in the NFC and not get destroyed when the playoffs start. I mean, that's basically what their season has turned into over two plays. An interception return because the Jenny Knox falls down and a, a blowdown knee because uh, Matt Spade decides not to block the best player that they have, Derek Johnson, and runs right past him. Don't forget that. Everybody, no one has talked about that. That Matt Spade left Derek Johnson, who was on his knees, and ran right past him to hit the next guy. And then the guy who was on his knees, from his knees, shoots himself into Forte's leg. Why doesn't why doesn't the space supposed to block that guy? Nobody brings that up though. Yeah, Pigs, give my my point, and Joel brings up some great points as we uh, bury the Bears just a little bit more. My point is, you know that that game is fresh in our minds, but boy, over the last ten, fifteen years, I mean, that there has been some really, really bad Bear performances. So make sure if you're calling up the worst one, I'm trying to be as objective as possible. So We've am been, I. We've had some horrible games in the past, and a lot of them have been Monday night games or Thanksgiving games as well. But you think this was the worst? Yeah. You know, also, um, the, the, the Chiefs are historically bad. Um, you know, they were talking about how the um, how bad the Chiefs are. Historically bad team. They're not a, they're not a bad team. They're a horrible team. They would hurt in a critical game. And they played 30. the worst game in the history of the franchise. And that goes back to, uh, what, like 1823 or something right around the end of the Civil War. 1919. Um, at every single level, coaching, bonehead plays, bonehead blocking, an absolutely atrocious 
atrocious offensive line. And like I told you guys last week, Caleb Hagee is a terrible NFL quarterback who wouldn't even make an arena league team. But everybody poo-pooed me. Oh, he'll be okay. No. Right about Haney, but to call him bad after this game, Roy Williams needs to catch the ball, and he has a touchdown instead of zero touchdowns and three interceptions. That's one touchdown, two interceptions. If Johnny Knox goes up and actually fights for the ball, that's one touchdown, one interception. And all of a sudden, you're like, you know what? Wow, the the Bears actually they won a game somehow, and Caleb Haney didn't even play well. Please, I understand Caleb Haney did not play well. You have got to dish out some of that horrible play on their receivers and the offensive play calling, because their receivers are garbage. They're bad. Uh, I, I don't give it Johnny Knox. First of all, Johnny Knox is not tall enough. He's not a go-up-and-get-a receiver. It was a horrible pass, way over, way underthrown. What are you talking about? It was white and stride. All what Johnny Knox has to do is go up for the football. Yeah, the I, Kansas I... City Chief guy was in horrible position, went around Knox, and jumped up for the ball. If Knox actually jumps up for it, guess what? The, the ball isn't intercepted. But instead, Johnny Knox runs under it, puts his arms at his waist, and, oh, it's going to fall in my hands. Oh, what a surprise when it didn't, Johnny Knox. I'm sorry, but in the NFL, you have to try. i, I got to tell ball. you. When you brought that up early in the show, I was gonna I was gonna take Pigskin's side of view on that one. Not that it was a uh, horribly thrown ball, but it, it was definitely underthrown. And well, should I'm... Knox have fought harder for the ball? Yeah, but you said it was perfectly thrown ball. I don't think it was. It was underthrown. Knox kept running. What you had to do was lead Johnny Knox and let him use his speed. It was underthrown at least a bit. Well, all I know is this is Johnny Knox fought zero for the ball. He waited for it to come down to him. That has been an issue with this beer receiving yeah. court for years. They, they wait for the ball. To, no, you've got to go and get it. I don't think I ever saw Cherry Rice waiting for the ball to come to him. Right. Pigskin, uh, you called in late. we got to wrap it up, my friend. Final uh, comment, Pigskin. I wanted, you know, Coach, I uh, appreciate the chance. I just wanted to call in because I didn't take this lightly, Joel, about calling this. I actually called my oldest friends, you know, and said, am I, you know, Am I just upset as I often am for two or three weeks after a game? Quick, quick, quick. Or is this historically the worst game I think I've ever seen? There That's it is. All. I appreciate the time. You know? There it is. Pigskin boy with those wonderful thoughts. Big dog, we got to wrap it up. Say goodbye, dog. Goodbye, dog. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow at 10 o'clock.